Welcome back, everybody, to the newest episode of PenPodcast.com. I'm your host, Matthew Harms, founder of Pen for Hire, where we offer premier ghostwriting and author coaching services. Also, the creators of the Pen Podcast, where we sit with authors, writers, writing industry professionals, subject matter experts, and all around interesting people. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Linda Zelnick. How are you today, Linda? I'm doing great, Matt. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Where are you joining us from? I am joining from Oklahoma City today. This is not where I'm based out of, but I'm here for work and happy to be with you. Very nice. Very nice. Where are you normally based out of? I am normally based out of Nashville, Tennessee, the great city and state. And I'm looking at my little map here because I've had some states. I'm going to check off Oklahoma. I have not gotten a guest from Oklahoma and you're there now. So I'm yeah. counting it. Perfect. <laughs> it's kind of a cheap get, but I'll take it. Yeah. Linda, if you'd be so kind, I mean, the title of this episode is Burnout to Boom. So I, I would love to hear a little bit more about your journey, how you've been doing what you're doing. Because as we spoke about behind the scenes, I think more, more of us than would like to admit have suffered from burnout at some point, probably suffering from it now and don't want to admit it. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I'm no different. And about a, a little over 10 years ago, I was in a career that was felt perfect for me. It was a combo of my experience up until that point, which was higher ed and international business into one. And so I just dove right in. We were opening new programs. And as goes with many startups, even though we were in a large organization, our, our department functioned like a startup. You know, you have a, less resources and a lot of motivation, a lot of vision and just run on natural momentum, natural gusto for a while. And then I added another high level commitment, which was pursuing a grad degree on top of being a newlywed and a, a board member for a working non a working board member for a nonprofit without employees. And it just was, you know, it felt like it was all doable, you know, on paper, I had it scripted out, but it, it ended up wearing me out. And so fast forward to last a year, a little over a year ago, when I read that 77% of people were struggling with burnout in their current role, I just thought I've, I, I have experience with this. I work with clients on this. And so it, it inspired what turned into the book. It started out as webinars. And then I realized through a, an inspirational speaker that I had enough to write a book and, and really try to combine the coaching mindset with the research and strategies that were accessible in, in the form of this book. So I'm kind of curious because it sounds like a, a unique position to be in where you feel like you're suffering from burnout and then you went and added something else to your plate. Well, you mean 10 years ago? Yes. When you started doing the webinars and no, the webinars came. So the webinars came last year. Um, oh, okay. Was, you know, years later after recovering and seeing a statistic, you know, coming out of COVID or really COVID was still midstream for sure that it burnout wasn't new by any means, but it had grown by about a hundred percent. It was a little less than 50% before the pandemic and was at 77% in February of 2021 when Deloitte did that survey and so I, I just was like, okay, I've been here. I understand 
you know, not where everybody is. It's a different storm, you know, I mean, the same storm, different, different positions in the boat, but I just wanted to help people with it. I love that. How did, before you got to that point, how were you managing your own burnout? Well, that's a good question. I came into my career with a focus on work-life balance. I've always enjoyed volunteering. And so I wanted to make sure, even though I wanted to give 100% to my my profession, I wanted to make sure I had time in the off hours to do something meaningful also. So I came in to professional work with that mindset. And for a long time, it worked, you know, and I feel like that's a lot of the case for a lot of people is, you know, we've got strategies that work for a long time until there's something extra and, and we realize, oh, it doesn't, it's not working any longer. And so that was the case for me with, with that extra, really was two big life changes in a short period of time. I, I, I didn't realize how impactful that would be because up until that point, I had been a high achiever and firing on all cylinders and it had worked, but too, too many high level commitments at once was not doable. It's kind of like the analogy I like to use. It's kind of like Jenga. Yes. <laughs> right. You've got this solid tower and everything's great for the first couple turns where you're like, yeah, I, I could do that. I could do that. And then next thing you know, the, the whole tower's wobbling and it's only a matter of time before it falls. That's right. You know, and really it's, we're, we're all able to do extra things for a short period of time, but it's the prolonged stress that creates burnout. And that's in fact, one of the definitions of it is prolonged periods of high stress. So what turned into two years of grad school, you know, was just too long, too long at, with too many high level commitments. Right. And then, I don't know for you, but I know back when I was in my corporate life, there was always this preaching of work-life balance, but then there were the suggestions of, you know, it'd be nice if you sat on a board and there's community service and you're in it and you're like, oh, of course I could do that, right? Because there's balance. And then next thing you know, the balance is gone. Yes, yes. By and large, we are encouraged to take on more, but nobody asks the question, what are you going to take off in order to make space for that? And so, you know, today's self, I would look back at 20, you know, 2011, Linda, and ask, okay, so what's going to come off when you start this grad program? But I didn't ask that question. And that's the, that's the missing question, right? So when you take on something new, in order to deliver at the way that you want to, what is going to come off? Yeah, I equate it oftentimes, too, to the law of diminishing returns. Yes, we all think I could just push a little harder. I could stay up a little later. I could do a little more. Mm -hmm. And then you wake up in the morning and you're redoing it all anyway, because it's terrible. That's right. That's right. Well, and the joke at my home was I would be asleep within, you know, 10 minutes of any book or movie or card trip. And some, you know, what should have taken 30 minutes to read was taking two hours because I was nodding off. And it just, it was a sign but I just chalked it up to, well, you know, I'm, I'm busy, you know, we're, we're firing on all cylinders all day. And, but it it was a sign, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just what happened, what clued me in was I didn't get my energy back after I graduated. And so I thought, oh, okay. So I've, I've really depleted my energy. I haven't been using all of it. I've depleted 
you know, the reserves. Yeah. <clears throat> we don't often realize it until it's already too late. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, one sign of burnout is the inefficiency. And it's like this cycle that you get in where you're you're working a long time and then there is truly a lot of diminishing returns. There's a study out that has shown that anything more than 55 hours, which is already overtime if we, you know, when we when we're real honest about it, anything more than that isn't more work. Like someone working 70 hours is still getting 55 hours of work done. It's just less efficient because they're burning the candle at both ends. I'm sure you see this in your coaching all the time. And I want to come back to how you got into the coach, the, the actual transition. But too many times people, I see this with authors that we work with, they mistake activity for productivity. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so that can, that is part of that burnout cycle of you're busy, but are you getting the right things done? And then you start to feel in this, in this, downward spiral frustration that the high level things are not getting, you know, you're not getting to them and therefore they're hanging out, you know, kind of causing stress in your mind and you're putting out fires and you're getting less efficient and, and then you're, you're not making as good of decisions either with, with that burnout. Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com produced by pen for hire. One of the best things about independent publishing is that anyone can publish a book. But one of the worst things about independent publishing is that anyone can publish a book. Don't fall into the trap of trying to master the process on your own for the first time and think you can compete with authors who have already figured it all out. Let us help you put out the best possible book. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get your free consultation today. And now back to the interview. So one of the biggest things I know from personal experience or, or one of the biggest fears people have is how do I leave what's comfortable, right? And yes. I use comfortable tying it to a paycheck to move into something where maybe I'm going to have more peace of mind, but now I'm going to be worried about money. So I'm curious how you made that transition from your corporate and, and all of the things you were doing into starting a coaching business. Cause that's, that's scary. It is. It is. I, I had a, an opportunity, I would say like a moment in the stand where the organization I was working with made some changes and it was going to be better for them, but not as good for me. And so um, my husband and I looked at each other and thought, no, I've been earning every amount of what I've been doing there. And it was, it was a very clear, easy for us decision. And yet, of course it was scary. I wasn't sure how, you know, what I was doing for them was, was going to, I, I should say I had already decreased my hours at this point a little bit. I was officially part-time because uh, I went, I went to part-time when we, when our daughter was born, but it was a consistent part-time. And so I, you know, we were leaving quite a bit when I, when we made that decision, but I just, I just felt the nudge. I just knew it was, it was, it might hurt for a little while, but it I needed to be uncomfortable in order to grow. And I think that is a key thing for people, because if I stayed with my, what I knew, 
in essence, it was a, you know, a safety net and I wouldn't reach for this dream of helping people at this level and, you know, in this format, if there was always something taking up my time. Yeah. I mean, it, it almost sounds cliche if you haven't been there, right? The, you hear everyone say the comfort zone. Yeah. But it's so the comfort zone will only keep you just that comfortable. You're never going to grow. You're never going to get to the next zone. Yes, that's exactly right. We by nature, by definition, cannot grow in our comfort zone. You have to be out of it. So I'm going to fast forward. So you, the, your company made some changes. It was an easy decision for you. You started uh, your coaching business with the webinars, correct? You no, know, I actually started one with one-on-one um, okay. and some groups. That was back in 2018 when I went official. And then uh, we, so then later that, well, the next year we had, had added a son and I took a full stop. And so I really have started my business kind of twice now because um, when he, when our baby was seven months old, COVID hit. And so I was, when I was just about to ramp back up, I, we really couldn't, you know, there was just nobody else to take care of the kids. And so I took some more time and then started back teaching coaching. Actually, that was my first professional engagement after maternity leave. And then uh, in 2021, when I read that survey, I was like, okay, it's, this is, it's time. This is how I want to help people. So I started with webinars. Isn't it great when the permission for maternity leave comes from yourself and not somebody else? Yes. Yeah. It was a good, and it, you know, looking back, that was wonderful. It was, a you know, a little longer than I had intended, but still a really sweet time. So, and I think there's some, there's something really interesting about the year 2018, because that's when I quit my corporate job. I've had several of my guests, more than not 2018, there was like a shift. Yeah, that's interesting. I, yeah, I would be curious to look at what was going on in the world at that point. Right. I'm, I'm not big into astrology or fate, but I think I need to look into that as well. Cause yeah. really there was something for people getting into coaching and helping others. Yeah. So you had mentioned the webinars and so, somebody else put the thought for the book in your head. Yes. How did that come about? Yes. So with my, with my decision to uh, kind of relaunch uh, coaching, I, um, I got some business coaching myself and was at a seminar down in Dallas and this speaker had written books and he was like, I can guarantee you, right? His name is James Melanchek. I guarantee you, every one of you have enough to write a book right now. And he laid out a case for it. And I thought, you know, I actually do. I've already done research to give, to be giving these webinars and coming from academics, I you know, had outlined it and, you know, cross-referenced and all that stuff. So I felt really good about the material I was providing and just needed to, to arrange it in a form in, in this format. So James really inspired that, that book. What was the process like for you? Like, had you ever, ever attempted to write a book before? Had you done any research on how to write a book or just kind of sat down and said, I'm going to put this together? You know, I did not do any research. I am a writer by nature. I've enjoyed it. And I lived overseas for a while and wrote blogs before they were even called blogs. 
And so fast forward, it, it was always this idea. People would ask me, are you going to write a book about this experience? And and so that dream had been in my my mind and heart for a long time. And so I just, Mel Robbins, she'll say five, four, three, two, one and go. You know, she tells you don't, don't question if you should do something when she, once you have an idea, because then your mind starts working against you. And so I just started, I outlined it in one night and then we actually all got COVID. So I had to put it on hold while everybody was <laughs> healing. I thought, I'm not going to let this, you know, die, kill my momentum. So I started back and just created time to work on it. Um, and that that's my biggest thing when people have asked me since about that is honoring that block of time on the calendar and doing it and knowing it's not going to be perfect, you know, and there, there are errors in it. You know, even now it kills me when I see an error, but being holding that commitment, taking it seriously and just showing up seat time in the seat, you know, fingers on the keyboard. Thank you so much for saying that. So any of my clients who may be listening past, present, future, those are two things I, I harp on all of the time, right? If you don't schedule the time, it's not going to happen. Yes. You may schedule the time and sit in front of the computer for an hour and two words come out. 2000 may come out. It doesn't matter. If you're not scheduling the time, there's zero chance of anything ever coming out. Yes. And nothing's ever perfect the first time. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so then, you know, you, I enlisted support. I hired, you know, ha- had somebody edit it for me and got somebody else to do the book design. So that was the part of the process too. And yeah, it just is a commitment, you know, that I, I really felt. And, and when you, when you know that what you want to say will help somebody, it, there's part of that too, is it, this isn't for me, this is, you know, for hopefully for someone to get some relief from burnout and hopefully a lot of people. So you got to stay committed to the vision of what you're, what impact you're making as well. Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com produced by Pen for Hire. There's a saying, don't judge a book by its cover, but that was never meant to actually apply to books. Unfortunately, readers are naturally inclined to books with covers and titles that catch their attention. Don't let your masterpiece go on red because of a poorly designed cover. A great book cover doesn't have to break your budget either. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get a free consultation today. And now back to the interview. Uh, That is such a great point that even I don't focus on enough for people because all of our clients generally, one of our requirements to work with us is that your book is going to help other people, Mm. right? But I don't think the mindset of the person writing it is always there. A lot of times it's more focused on the fear and the day-to-day, like, what do we do next? How do we get there? But if you focus on the result, right? Finish with the end, start with the end in mind. Yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and really that's the secret to closing the gap between where you are and where you want to be between this un, unwritten manuscript and the one that's published, you know, and, and, and is available to other people is, focusing on that dream and, and even, you know, creating perhaps a visual that will continually inspire and speak to your subconscious that you're a writer, you're doing this, you know, that the pen is calling. Yes. A visualization is so important. I try, I'm going to ask this question before I go into that. 
Did you have a book title in mind or was that something that came to you much later? I did because I had been offering the webinar. I have a dear friend who has spent, who is in, I, I think it's correct to say copywriting. I'm not sure, but she's an editor. And so she helped me workshop that title back months before. So I, I did start with a, a book title. I know most people probably don't, but I, I did. I usually advise people that if you have one, great chances are it's going to change. You, you might be one of the small exceptions because as the book takes form, although you were also extremely clear on everything, why you were doing it, which, which is helpful, but even working titles, mock-up book covers, anything you can do to, with your name on it mm-hmm. to visualize your finished product, even if there's not a page written, I yeah. can really, right. It goes so far for the mental state of, I can really do this. Like it's real. That's right. Well, and one thing I've learned recently from neuroscience is that your subconscious doesn't necessarily know that it's not real. Like when you've got that visualization, like you said, with a book cover and your name, then your mind, your subconscious mind goes into action to make that reality because it it believes it already to be real. Very good point. I am not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but that makes perfect sense. And I see it time and again, people just putting out, you know, the book's not finished yet and they're struggling. You know what? Start telling people the book's coming out and give them a date. Yes, exactly. (laughs) There's a, there is a lot of wisdom in creating social accountability. I just had this conversation with a client earlier who's like 75% there. He stalled. And I said, look, if it's all right with you, I'm going to start posting on my social media that your book's coming out in the first quarter of 2023. He was like, all right, do it. Because now the world knows. I was like, and and then I I tried the counterintuitive pressure. I was like, you're not just going to look bad if it doesn't come out. I'm going to look bad. Yeah. I know a coach who booked a hotel room and she, you know, started advertising for a launch party with that in mind. And she had published books at her, at her launch party. That's incredible. I've read stories of JK Rawlings rented herself like a $3,000 a night suite to finish one of the Harry Potter books. Oh, wow. She she knew for the investment. There was someone else. I think I read this in um, outwitting the devil don't quote me on the author's name, but he booked a round trip flight from New York to Hong Kong, literally just a turnaround flight to finish the book. Mm-hmm. And they both justified the investment with knowing they were forcing themselves into a position where there was no excuse, no distractions, no nothing. Yeah. Wow. So sometimes you got to get extreme and trick yourself. High stakes. <laughs> High stakes. Now, with, on that topic, because I can only imagine finishing a, a book in 36 hours, I've heard people do it. I, I know it's definitely not the norm. How long did it take you roughly from, not when you outlined it, because I know you had COVID in between, from when you really started working on it to the time you got it out? I want to say, well, till the time I finished it, it was a little less than two months, I think. Okay. So you know, not super long. And it's not a long book intentionally. It's on because people with burnout don't have a lot of time. They definitely don't feel like they have time to read. So the the book and then getting it to market. So I revi- went back to it at the beginning of September and it went live Christmas Eve. So it was a yeah, it was a little, so that's no, October, November, a little more than three months from writing to 
the Kindle going live. The, the paperback went live a few weeks after that. And then people kept asking, is there an audio version? So I did release an audio version in June, July of this year. I love it. And yes, that's so important. Up until I think the beginning of this year, I had never listened to an audiobook in my life. I'm a purist. I, I need to have a book in my I hands. Am too. Yes. Um, but considering how little attention I have and how much time I spend writing for others, I, I finally bit the bullet and I got audible and I'm loving it. Um, if I'm walking, if I'm at the gym, if I'm in my car on a road trip, I can actually get the the reading in. Yes. Yeah. For personal. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. And in terms of the, the book's results, from what I've seen, it looks like you're helping a ton of people, right? You've yes, seen I, it, good sales results. I would say so with on online, the sales, they trickle in for me, to be honest, where I'm getting to do a lot is with organizations and getting books to the audience too. So that's been a lot of fun is working with companies and workplaces who are wanting to really pour into the wellness and just seeing, okay, our people are whole people and our organization's mission isn't going to thrive if our people aren't thriving. And so it's kind of a combo for me is selling online and then also getting books to the people in the audiences. I'm glad you mentioned that second part because I tell everyone your goal is not to get rich off of book sales. If it happens, great. But with the amount of books coming out in this day and age, it's and the royalties paid, it's probably not going to happen. Yes. Are, so it sounds to me like your book has been instrumental in helping you grow your business. Yes. Yeah, it has. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that is, I think for, for coaches, an opportunity when you have something specific to offer a training on that it really, you can reach out to organizations with that. And so, especially when it's solving a specific and timely need in the market. It's like you're sending them your book as your business card. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually what James called it the, at the, at the speech where he inspired my book. That is on my seven lit my my list of seven reasons every professional should have a book mm -hmm. uh, because no one throws a book out. So if you want to work with an organization and you send them your book in advance, they may not read it, they may not call you back, they, but they're not going to get rid of it. It's going to sit on someone's desk. It may get passed around the office. Eventually, yes. someone's going to say, "Where they, where did we get this?" And they may open it and read it. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the hope, right? Absolutely, because mm -hmm. people read it, you can change lives. Yes. Yes. So Linda, what, what comes next for you? Any other books in the works, speaking seminars? What do you got going on? Yes. Um, all of the above. I, I think probably what's next in the book department is to do a second version of this. There's a few little updates that I want to make, but I do have some others, others that I'll, I'll release at some point. And I'm speaking, doing seminars. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching and group coaching as well. And so that's that's what's next and, and is current as well. Fantastic. With that said, for everyone listening, if you want to get in touch with Linda, any coaching, um, find out when the book, speaking, webinars, anything that can help you avoid burnout. And don't pretend like you're not burnt out. And if you aren't, please, I want your secret. Linda, please tell them where they can find you so they can figure out how to work with you or read your book or take your courses. Yes. Thanks, Matt. I'm at uh, www.altacoaching.com and Burnout to Boom is available on Amazon 
and I've got the Kindle and the print there, and then also Audible as well, which streams to iTunes too. So um, lots of different options for the that version of the book. I, I also am active on LinkedIn and Instagram and uh, Facebook. So Incredible. We'll make sure you drop your social handles. Last question just popped in my head as you mentioned the audiobook again. Did you narrate it yourself or did you get a professional narrator? I did narrate it myself. And that was one of those things I really wanted to do. There is a way and an easy way, I think, to to find somebody else to do it. But I I have done a little known fact. I've done recording of other people's books overseas. And so it didn't seem to it was, of course, out of my comfort zone, but it, it was something I wanted to stretch to. And so a friend of mine is in, well, I'm in Nashville. I know a lot of people in the recording industry. And so I asked someone, what do you think I, I need to do? And so he told me what recorder to get. And then eventually I did get paired up with someone to help me with the editing. So incredible. I love when people narrate their own books. I think it gives, not that there's anything wrong with getting a narrator, but I just think there's such a personal flair of reading the words as you intended them to to come across. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Linda, thank you so much for being here. This conversation has been great. I wish we had more time, but Again, everyone listening, you just spent this time listening to Matt Harms and Linda Zelnick. Please reach out to Linda, altacoaching.com. Buy the book, Burnout to Boom. Follow her on social media. Everything will be in the show notes. As always, we appreciate you all tuning in and supporting our guests. And we'll catch you on the next episode of the Pen Podcast. Everyone have a great day. Bye, everyone.